Welcome to the Tech Data World podcast, the independent voice in aerospace, defense, and space technical information, covering all the news, reviews, gossip, opinion, software, standards, and specifications in the information production and deployment field. So, Barry, maybe if we kick off with a little bit about who Barry is, because if you're in the market, everyone knows who Barry is, but for those of those that are watching or joining us or aren't familiar with who you are, maybe give a little bit of background. What got you into tech pubs? What got you into the area that you're in and kind of a little bit of a career path? And then we'll we'll have a little conversation around that. Sure. Thank you, uh, Mike. Um, yeah, um, um, I, I think you and me also go back uh, for almost, I think next year we have our 20 year, we know each other anniversary, right? So yeah, we've been um, around. Yeah, we've been around. Although, so I've been you're, in the tech although you're, we you're weathering a bit better than I am, I think. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for a Monday morning. I'll take that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I've been in the tech pop industry uh, for, I would say, uh, almost 20 years now. Um, um, uh, um, when I did uh, uh, come in uh, with the company, Tito Press, it was called at the time, that is now at a plan since uh, seven years or so. Um, uh, my my role was to to market something called Simplified English, and of course, Simplified English have all, has always been there since the 80s, when that spec was created. But um, the owner of the business uh, back then, uh, Andre Verdine, was uh, asking me to uh, to uh, to see if that is something that we can really productize as a service, because we had a lot of companies in airspace, in defense, but in a lot of consumer electronics and heavy machinery as well, that were looking to simplify the technical language as well as save translation costs and a few other reasons. So uh, at the time we worked with, because we saw the need for checker tools, uh, we worked with different checker tools, but in the end decided in about, I think 2002, that uh, we needed to create our own, uh, which was mm -hmm. first internally uh, used so my job at the time was just to uh, to market it and to handle the commercial uh, parts around it. Um, I then moved to the States where we really commercialized uh, HyperST and I did that for about six years. We had uh, some uh, some great uh, projects with uh, the FAA even, uh, but also companies like uh, UNICEF who apparently also have a um, a reason to uh, to simplify their language because uh, for I would say for the wrong reasons they have offices all around the world but uh, we were able to help them out so it basically tells you how simplified English or STE as we'd like to call it uh, was uh, uh, you know how broadly it was used uh, around the world so when I moved back to the Netherlands in 2009 I took over the role of uh, head of sales and marketing, and when Ediplan uh, acquired Tito Press in 2012, um, I moved up uh, and 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 uh, helped out not just with STE but with other technologies that we were using in order to facilitate the technical documentation uh, service area. So there's three areas that Ediplan does: engineering, uh, IoT, embedded systems, and tech pubs. Uh, mm -hmm. In the tech pub part, we are currently about 600 people, uh, wow. so a lot of authors, 
And so that means that we, we see SDE as, as one of the core competences that we have in order to you know, help our, our customers out by, by using this as a way of standardizing uh, uh, documentation. Um, and I think the company currently has about over 3,400 people now. So, um, wow, that's quite big. So you're headquartered up in the Nordic region though, right? Yes, yes. In the Nordics, we're quite big. So Finland is, uh, is where we are headquartered in Helsinki, Vanta. And then um, um, uh, the majority of our offices, and they're close to 60, I believe, uh, are, are up in the Nordics. So Sweden and uh, Finland. Uh, but we're also in uh, uh, Germany, the Netherlands, Poland, in Central Europe, um, as well as in, uh, in China. At the moment, so and you you yourself you're based in the Netherlands, right? It's, yes, I'm uh, currently based in the Netherlands, but I uh, since about a year or so, so since two years ago, I uh, now in I'm in the role of technology director. Um, so next to SDE, I also help uh, our operations with uh, and also talk directly to customers about it. But uh, what technologies, what uh, uh, services are required in order to help our customers, you know, uh, take the next step in order to make their content future proof, if you will. So not just SDE, but augmented reality, artificial intelligence are some of the things that I that I look into. I'm currently based in the Netherlands, but I kind of pendle back and forth between uh, between the Netherlands and the, and the US, because uh, in North America, we still have a lot of SDE customers um, that uh, that I consult with. Okay. That's, I mean, first and foremost, I'm, I'm with you on the whole industry 4.0 thing. I think the way that IoT and the way that we're now connecting the platform to other environments is, is going to affect us significantly in tech pubs and the way mm -hmm. that we work with technical information. In fact, um, one of the areas that I'm looking at right now is how health monitoring systems can talk directly to XML-based technical publications. So, but let, let's talk a little bit about simplified technical English because when I do my training, I'm not a simplified technical English expert. I know what it is, I know how it works, but I'm certainly not an expert. <clears throat> what do you? Are you still seeing a big demand out there? I mean, my perception is yeah. is that it's actually increasing in terms yeah. of the demand for STE type documentation. Yes, yes. So, so what's interesting to see is that, let's say, 20 years ago, where our customers would be about 70% aerospace and defense because of the requirement for the spec, as we officially, it's called ASD STE 100, yep. uh, which is uh, also uh, not at the time, but more nowadays is also required by S1000D. So if you have an S1000D, uh, structure requirement for your tech pubs, then it's very likely that STE is part of that. So we see a demand there because of S1000D, but also because of the uh, the way things are going, you know, to make your content future proof if you want to do uh, predictive maintenance and that sort of thing. The end of the day, um, the field service engineer has to read and understand the content that you produce, whether it's published in augmented reality whether it's connected with IoT or not, whether it's just a good old uh, printed PDF in front of you, that's the content that he still has to, or he or she still needs to uh, understand in order to do their job as efficient as possible. So there's always been a, a need for STE in that sense, but looking into the future, future-proof content, STE facilitates that. So you see a growing demand for that. Um, but where 20 years ago, 70% were A&D companies, aerospace and defense, I would say it's currently it's about 60%, not A&D. Wow. Um, 
because other companies looking other industries are looking for standardization and you know usually they then look at aerospace and defense because it's one of the most standardized industries in the world maybe a little bit too much sometimes i would say all of these standards but um and they want to learn from that so you have companies like schlumberger oil and gas uh like ge healthcare uh, uh and others uh that are looking into this and realizing like okay so let's see what we can use of that and 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 and, and, and see how that would help us out yeah um, i mean the, you're, yeah. you're right you're right that you know STE is, I mean, it's not mandated by S1000B, but it's certainly recommended. And I'm seeing yeah. more and more yeah. projects are saying, actually, you know what, it's not a bad thing. Uh, when I'm when I'm delivering my training courses, for example, I all I have a section on controlled languages and and why we have controlled languages. And there's definitely a polarizing <clears throat> opinion. And you have those guys that if I'm in mainland Europe or if I'm maybe out in Asia training, they absolutely see why we should be using something like STE. And then, but if I'm training back here at home in the UK where I'm based, um, they kind of raise their eyebrows and go, and then you have to explain the function of STE, yeah. you know, yeah. why why we use it and why you know i have a big slide that comes up before we moved in move into controlled languages and we move into ste and it says just remember we don't all speak english and you know when you're dealing with an engineer who might be speaking english as a third or fourth language you know and we have four different words to explain the same thing in english uh it becomes you know, it becomes frustrating for an end user if they're reading that content. So yeah, it's, and, and it's and it's yeah. There's a couple of things there. So the uh, obviously in, why English because it is maybe not the most used language in the world. There's others, Spanish, Chinese, uh, but it is the most common language as far as international communication. Um, um, the fact that you and me are speaking English right now is one thing, of course, but. But if I would be talking to a colleague in China, then we would also speak English. Um, so you have to realize that one, uh, there's a writer, a content writer, and that writer may not have the same uh, language, cultural or technical background, because he could also be an engineer or a subject matter expert, as the person that he writes for, which could also have a different language, cultural or technical background. And that basically means that um, uh, you're going to have to meet each other somewhere in the middle. You're going to have to, sure. you know, try to communicate in some kind of a standardized way that, that everyone can understand it. Um, and in order to do that, you not only have to learn how to write in English or simplified English for that matter, but also why. So we, the trainings that we give, uh, they're usually two day uh, on-site training courses are, are aimed at that. Uh, not just the, the how, also the why. And, uh, and we then on day two ask people to bring their own material uh, to the board so we can then discuss them. Like, why would this be misinterpreted or how could this be misinterpreted by that person somewhere in you know Germany that has to do maintenance on your product? The other thing that I wanted to point out is the word simplified. Um, it, it's, it already creates a little bit of ambiguity, ironically enough, because specifically if you are a native english speaker this it we're not simplifying well we are simplifying it i would say i'd be more of a fan of calling it standardized technical english 
because that's really what we're doing. It's not simple. So if you are writing simplified English for a non-native English speaker, for instance, a lot of companies are outsourcing their content to uh, India, best cost countries like that. And um, just by giving a checker tool to an Indian writer is not going to solve the problem because Indian writers have to really understand, and I'm saying Indian, but it might as well be Chinese. They sure. have to understand the writing rules, which to them, it will bring them up a little bit, where if you're talking about British writers, you have to basically bring it down a little bit because, you know. And, and so. you know, I, uh, on my training courses, I always talk about a specific example, and I won't mention the customer, but I was asked to put together a technical manual for somebody, which I did, um, and they, wrote, they sent it back saying, yes, but it's not simplified technical English. And I'm going, well, actually, you didn't ask for that. And it's a specialist writing skill. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and the last time I wrote STE content was probably 20 years ago. And um, and I think as well, something that I have to explain on my training courses is that it's not a case of picking up the spec and it's not a case of rushing out and no. buying software. You have to analyze your own terms, your own data dictionary, I think you call it. And, yep. you know, you come in and help people standardize their language for their organization. Yeah. And that's, again, not a simple thing. It's a necessary thing. So there's four steps, really. One, training is really important, um, uh, not just because of the how and, and why, but also during the training, we teach people how to stick with the need to know and not so much focus on the nice to know. That alone, because Checker Tool cannot tell you whether content is redundant or not. That's the author's job. So uh, that alone, the training will help reduce. We've seen surveys uh, of, of reducing content by sometimes up to 40% because they look at text and then they start rewriting it and realize I don't need a lot of this information for this particular purpose. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's step one. Step two, of course, is uh, building a, a dictionary, so standardizing on terms, so not using four different terms, like you said, that have the same meaning or using one term that has multiple meanings. You need to standardize on your vocabulary. Unfortunately, even though the, the spec has been around since 85 in aerospace and defense, there are no aerospace and defense uh, dictionaries available, even at least they're not standardized. The spec doesn't include words like a helicopter or wing. So you still have to, again, standardize that. So we help out with that. The third uh, step is then the tool, the checker tool, checker software. Yes, it will absolutely help. Yes, it will give you metrics. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, it's the author with the knowledge of the SDE training and having a dictionary in place with the tool that would, that would all the three of them combined will give you the best results. Um, and then the fourth step, last but not least, is a process. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to be a writer writing in SDE, and that content is going to go back to an engineer or subject matter expert, you better make sure that these folks are aware of the fact that you're doing this because they're just going to throw it back and you and say like, well, why are you not calling this this term anymore? Or why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? So when we did an implementation at a large uh, train manufacturer, um, we sat down 75 engineers that were involved in the writing process. And we said, this is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to achieve. And uh, so when you get content back from your from your writers, um, this is what you can expect. And that was already half the battle. So do not underestimate that process. I, I think um, 
I mean, we talk about checkers, and I've sat in on a couple of your presentations now, well, a couple over the 20 years, I've sat in probably about 20 of your presentations. And I think um, you say up front, you're, even though you sell software as well as the services, you say up front, this does not replace the skills. You yep. need to have, you, this is as well as the skills, and, and it guides the author whilst they're using those skills they should already have. Correct. Yeah. So we call it a tool and a tool, as you know, the definition of a tool is to use something to get somewhere. Right. So the tool is not the end goal. Buying uh, software is not the end goal. It's the end result. And the end result will only be accomplished by implementing the four steps that I mentioned uh, earlier. Um, and that's what Hyper ST will do. It's an aid to help you uh, get there. And I've been writing STE now also for close to 20 years. and. I still use the software to uh, to check some of the stuff that I do when I create business cases for our customers because I realize oh you know oh crap that that word I can I can't use so um, that's mm. that's still the case after 20 years so it's a good uh, it's a good idea. Yeah. I mean I, I I mean you know her and I know her as well very well um, a lady called Kieran Dodd who yeah. like you she moves around these circles and she trains people on STE at our conference last year unfortunately you couldn't make it last year but one of your colleagues came and mm -hmm. they they took some STE that uh, Kieran had made from a technical manual that I gave her and um she thought it was perfect and it read very well and we asked the audience which one they preferred and you know 99% of the audience said they preferred the STE variant of the language to the technical English side of stuff and um, but then your guys came up onto stage and ran her text through the checker and it still found problems with with the STE that she'd written she's been writing STE and she's one of the deep domain experts uh, in this market and, uh, you know, so I think that that highlights that even though Kieran is super talented when it comes to STE and she knows how it works, the tool still picked up that there was areas that, that could have been improved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can always, you'd be surprised how further, you know, you look at text and you're like, oh, now it's STE. And then you look at it, well, do, do I even need this portion? For this particular purpose, I don't. And then you end up with an even further, uh, uh, you know, you can you can go from 20 sentences just to one, for that matter. If it uh, if it communicates the thought in the end that you wanted to communicate, then you're there. Uh, STE again, the rules itself, maybe also good to mention, is it's also not um, the end goal. STE compliance is also not the end goal. STE is there to create. Uh, unambiguous clear and consistent content so that your end users can can do their jobs as efficient as possible that this, this is, is the this end is, goal this is what i say on my s1000 d training yeah. courses I say, I say look our end goal is solid technical documentation yeah. not not solid s1000 d you know it, it's sometimes we f we focus so much on s1000 d that we forget that we're actually delivering a technical publication Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, that's one of the points that I make, too. Let's let's talk about something else that I got pretty excited about, which is something that I thought, which is why we should have this this conversation, is right. that I, I, I mentioned to you that I use a tool called um, Grammarly. And, you know, and I had this I this thought the other uh, going back a few months now going, surely somebody should be taking that Grammarly model and applying an STE type checker to it. And and um, and I think you guys are 
down that road or you're doing something similar to what Grammarly can do. Is that right? That's right. So we have a, a cloud version that we launched uh, the end of October uh, and we're now uh, slowly but surely uh, extending it or expanding it into uh, supporting um, other uh, style guides as well. So there's the Chicago manual, uh, there's the Microsoft style guide and there's a few others, Global English. And when you put them all next to each other, um, you get about 80% that are the same. So, I mean, mm -hmm. SDE wasn't created on its own. They also looked at other standards at the time. Caterpillar had one. Um, they're all mainly aimed at creating or, or, or writing or using best practice writing rules in essence. So, and they make sense if you look at them. So, you know, don't use articles in front of all nouns or, or use articles in front of nouns because otherwise that noun switch, for instance, can be considered as a verb because switch is mm -hmm. both used as a verb as well as a noun, switch the switch, whatever. So um, now if you then look at a tool like, so that's opening up Hyper-STE uh, to a few more uh, standards, if you will. But if you then look at Grammarly, it's uh, Grammarly, of course, is, is a grammar checker. It doesn't look at whether you standardized on, on terms. It doesn't look at no, you're right. um, whether you uh, should be more restricted in, in verbs. It's, 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 you know, it's looking more at if you say the, the screen displays something, it will say, OK, well, if display was written as a single verb, then you are not allowed to do that. But it doesn't look whether the word display is ambiguous because display, as you know, can also be a noun and you can also say show and, uh, and and other things to basically say the same thing. So we're trying to take the approach of Grammarly by a, by using a, a subscription model that would bring the cost of STE of an implementation down considerably, mm -hmm. which is one of the barriers because again, to do all these four steps that I mentioned earlier, um, uh, for a simple checker tool, for a simple plug-in to your authoring environment can be regarded as quite costly. So we're trying to lower that barrier by, by introducing a cloud version, a subscription model, and then at the same time by opening the product out, up to a, 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 a bigger audience, if you will, um, uh, by taking the Grammarly approach. Yeah, I mean, I... I mean, first and foremost, I bought Grammarly for my kids, both at college and, and university, because I thought it would help them with their uh, essays, etc. Mm -hmm. And then and then I thought, well, I'll give it a go myself. And um, so I wrote an article and then I loaded it into Grammarly. And, it, you know, it asks you the audience, the, the technical level of the uh, of the manual or the, the article you're trying to write. And it makes suggestions on improvement. Right. And what I didn't realize is I'd actually developed some quite bad writing practices in my own writing, which I was quite a passive writer. And, uh, and Grammarly was basically has corrected me, telling me that, you know, actually, but you're right, it doesn't say that, you know, this word shouldn't be used because it's ambiguous or, you know, you shouldn't use this word in conjunction with this word because it can mean two different things. It doesn't go that deep. It goes, you know, at kind of the, the superficial level on how to use English correctly for a specific audience. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I have to say, I really like it. And then when you told me that Etaplan was, yeah, we've spotted this and we are now taking what we already know with STE and we're, we're making it more accessible to a wider community at a fraction of the cost, I got pretty excited by it. I thought, you know, this absolutely makes sense. 
So well, you, um, you have a lot of small, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of small, medium-sized businesses uh, around the world that are, are looking at STE as a great idea, but the cost uh, is, is uh, regarded quite high. I mean, mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you use something like Framaker as an example, and you have to pay almost uh, more uh, to have an STE checker, or you know, you know, the cost of an S1000D implementation, that's also quite high. Uh, if you're looking at, you know, just using a content management system in general, um, although in the end it will pay off, obviously, but you have a lot of these small documentation teams that simply cannot afford uh, these types of. Uh, implementations so by, by lowering that barrier we're hoping to also open the market up to to and helping out those those companies or even freelancers that are looking to uh, to also write in ste and and for those technology companies that will be watching are you opening up an api to that are you licensing yeah. it for those guys as well yeah yes so that so they'll just get in touch with you through the normal means and if they're interested in an api they can get access to that because i can see those guys that have got these thin client editors in their csdbs for example it would make a perfect integration point from yes yeah we have done already some implementations in the past uh, with uh, some of the vendors that were at your conference as well and uh, with uh, with great results so yeah perfect so moving on away from ste because i know that uh, a lot of people certainly in the uk I, I had an email once from somebody saying are you guys still banging the ste drum and i'm going yeah we're banging the ste drum because outside of the uk of which there is a whole wide world ste is still very important and vital and growing so the um Outside of that, where's Etaplan going in terms of IoT and uh, Industry 4.0? Or are you, are, is there anything you can share with us on what you're doing, or is it all top secret stuff at the moment? Well, no, we're a publicly listed firm, so uh, uh, in, in to that extent, I can only talk about uh, the, the 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 bigger picture, of course, without going too much into details. Sure. For that, I, uh, people need to simply go to Etaplan.com and and see uh, uh, what we are are doing specifically there. But uh, we have seen, as a company, we have seen the, the need for uh, digitalization. Um, in other words, if you do want to become, if you do, as a, let, let's say, if you as a manufacturer, you want to be able to do uh, predictive maintenance so that you keep the downtime of your machines to an absolute minimum, then uh, what is it then that you need to do? Okay, well, you... You need to digitalize your content. That's one. Why? So that you are able to connect it to uh, the data that comes out of the sensors that you have in your machines. Well, why do we have those sensors? Because those sensors, IoT, Internet of Things, can in the end predict when certain parts or components need to be replaced uh, or, or, or uh, need to get fixed. Um, and, they can, and they can predict well in advance of a human brain can. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. which, is, they just which, is, which is the big delta here, which is the big thing. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I personally think IoT Industry 4.0 is, um, is going to raise the profile of things like technical publications. Because the tech pub is a vital and rich source of information that if we're using things like S1000D or other structured languages and STE, we can actually really leverage and, and close the gap between the IoT environment and the technical publication. 
So the you know the, the the rich source that we're spending all this time and money, but you mentioned already barrier to entry being cost. That's one of the big things that people moan about with S1000D. They see this heavy upfront investment required in tools, skills, and environment, and but they don't see the back end benefit. And you know this is the, I think it's coming. It's going to affect the technical publication. Yeah, yeah, way. and it's it will. I mean, the the biggest challenge that a lot of uh, organizations around the world, uh, whether they are small or big uh, enterprises, is uh, the fact that they have to see documentation as a strategy, uh, or at least part of their overall strategy where in, in a traditional, and still a lot of companies do it this way, um, um, we have a product, we sell the product, oh, by the way, we need documentation to go with it. Oh, we now see that it has to be S1000D or maybe something else. We need to maybe have it compliant with other things. Oh, we see that we want to go around the world, so we need all of these uh, documents get translated into so many languages it's going to cost everything or it's going to have a big cost to it. And we're going to have to need the document by the end of the week because uh, that's when the product goes out. So in other words, as organizations, uh, we have to move away from looking at documentation basically as an afterthought to looking at it upfront as a strategy. You know, if we want to do predictive maintenance, if we want to, because again, IOT is not a goal, uh, uh, but lowering costs, new revenue streams, those are goals. And in order to achieve that, you're in the end, you're going to have to take content and, and make that part of your overall strategy by sure, applying STE, but going XML, uh, using S1000D or not, uh, but at least manage your data so that you can connect it. It's all about connectivity. And that's what industry 4.0 uh, means. That's what content 4.0 does. Um, but closing that gap uh, is going to take uh, quite some uh, quite some years and, and understanding from organizations around the world that that's what they need to do. And, and desire. You and, know, desire. Yeah. and desire, you know, and, and we could talk about desire on, a, on another on another interview, because I believe that we're at a crossover between the generations of uh, of communicators and data professionals. And the desire is is getting there now in terms of we need to do clever stuff with our content. So um, as we pull, as we draw this to an end, and again, thank you for that. I guess if people want to get in touch with you, it's LinkedIn, Twitter. I know you've got a YouTube channel. And um, and if anybody wants a trial of HyperSTE, is that something you offer? Yes. So simply go to simplifiedenglish.com or .net, but .com is easier to remember maybe. And uh, go to the contact page and send us an email or give us a call. Um, I'll put all your contact details across the screen now. And those sure. listening on, to a, on the podcast, you can go to our website and you'll find Barry's details. I know I'm seeing you in a couple of weeks. I think it's a couple of weeks in Rome. We're meeting in, in Rome. So yep. uh, looking forward to that, although my daughter's trying to... Uh, all work, by the way, all work. Yeah, it's all it's all work. And um, I'm not sure we're allowed to talk about yet that we're involved in this group, but we'll, we'll talk about that in the future. And um, Barry, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for your patience with the, uh, the technology. The technology has let us down a couple of times, but it has behaved absolutely perfectly on this, uh, probably our fourth or fifth attempt. Sure. So yeah. uh, I appreciate it, Barry.
I appreciate you as well, Mike. Thanks uh, a lot. And uh, until next time. Excellent. Cheers, Barry. Thanks Cheers. very much. You're Cheers. welcome. Thank Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the TDW podcast. Remember, you can keep your tech data skills current and relevant with a full TDIQ subscription. Visit www.techdataworld.com for more details. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for your next Tech Data World update. Until next time.